welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 65, 30 Days of Lost Girl, part 4. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. This episode is part of our 30 Days of Lost Girl series in which we answer a bunch of questions about Lost Girl. To see all of the questions in the meme, as well as get links to our episodes in which we answer those questions, go to drinksofthedoll.com slash 30 days 2014. Just as a warning, our answers may contain spoilers for up through season four. Day 25, we're talking about our favorite bad guy turned good or good guy turned bad. And I think a, maybe a better way to think of this question is instead of like, bad guy turn good is more like antagonist turn good and maybe protagonist turn bad because we haven't really had a whole lot of switching sides on Lost Girl. I think it's much more like gray area characters. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the characters are pretty flawed and don't always do the right thing all the time. So yeah, I think it's about character evolution and how they interact with other characters and how that affects them as they not necessarily switch sides, but you know, the dark and the light fae interact or the fae interact with humans. But but yeah, I feel like the show is very much in this sort of it has this it has this philosophy that, you know, even though you're light fae or not doesn't mean you're entirely good. Even if you're dark fae, it doesn't mean you're entirely bad. So they haven't really stuck with this whole these are the good guys, these are the bad guys type of dichotomy necessarily. Yeah, it's more about whose side you're on, like or or your allegiance to our main cast of characters. Right. Yeah. So uh, I went with Trick, actually, because I'm not entirely sure if Trick was ever truly good. I think we have had some strong suggestions that, well, we know Trick is a manipulative, sneaky little bastard. And, <laughs> and so I'm not entirely sure of Trick's intentions 90% of the time, but he was definitely a protagonist in the first couple of seasons, but I think he's become more and more dark. We've seen the darker side of Trick emerge in seasons three and four. And I've actually really enjoyed that, like seeing kind of the Machiavellian power hungry side of Trick emerge. So I'm I'm curious to see more of that, or at least Trick maybe confront that side of himself. I do feel like Trick kind of flip flops as to, you know, how we're supposed to perceive him, you know? Mm -hmm, for sure. Because he was very kind of arch and menacing in the first episode where he goes to the ash and to the morgan and says you know there might be a time where she needs to be put down but let's bide our time wisely i think from the beginning you're not entirely sure how to read this guy and then oh yeah, he's I grandpa yeah. <laughs> and then he you know becomes sort of grandfatherly both towards Bo and kenzie and and then then of course there's the big reveal that oh he used to be like a really sort of nasty guy mm -hmm. and there you know that kind of flares up a little bit but oh he imprisoned his own daughter and oh he did it all for you know sticking peace, to his rules that he created yeah 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 and oh he's told both he's told Bo the truth wait no not this time no not this time no not this time either yeah. um and then oh wait a minute yeah he's killed millions upon millions but yeah it was all for peace so who did you go with, Chris, for your favorite antagonist turn, less antagonistic, or protagonist turned less protagonistic? <laughs> <laughs> I went with Tamsin. That's a that's good a, one. 
Well, yeah. as you mentioned, you know, she's not really technically a bad guy. Right. As, you know, she's more of an antagonist mm-hmm. when she's introduced, you know, because she's all suspicious of Bo and seems to have some sort of grudge against Bo or, you know, there's there's a there's conflict there. She calls her a very nasty name in the first episode she appears. Yes, that's true. So I'm I'm counting it. No, Jensen. that's a good one. That's a good one. And I, I like that we got to see the progression of her character's relationship with our main cast of characters and that they actually restructured all of the relationships with Tamsin essentially dying and being reborn. So she was reborn within the group and was sort of nurtured within the group and, you know, calling Kenzie moms and stuff. It's cute. It's cute, you guys. And so, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed season four, Tamsin, and sort of the, the reshaping of her character. That's, that's a yeah, good pick. I, I did really love how we see, we saw Tamsin and her relationships evolve in the fourth season. Although sometimes I wonder if she would have gotten to that point, becoming more entwined with the group and becoming quote-unquote softer if she hadn't been reborn. You know, if she would have gotten there eventually anyway. I think she might have, but I think the rebirth really made it made it so that they could ha- happen faster. Yeah, it sped it up yeah. a bit. Right. I mean, I think there were indications that it was sort of leaning that way towards the end of season three. I mean, obviously she'd yeah. softened toward the group. But I do think, I think there was actually some quote from, was it Emily Andrus? I don't remember now, about the fact that she was, in this lifetime, was actually nurtured, basically, yeah, by Kenzie right. specifically. And so, sort of grew up to be a little bit of a softer, kinder person. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a factor in it. And then she gets to say lines like, I think I clenched my butt cheeks too hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tamsin. <laughs> Little T. Oh, so funny. Adorable. Little T's so sweet. I know. So how about you, Annie? Who did you pick? Uh, I picked Vex because I feel like he kind of has done a 180 throughout the course of the series where we see him introduced and he has some very psychopathic tendencies, what we would call more oh, you're dark face, so you're going to act this way, quote, you know, quote-unquote, you're dark. You have this kind of personality, you know, to making vampires kill themselves in garbage disposals and, you know, Bo stabbing herself to, you know, season three where he's hanging out on the clubhouse couch discussing mascara tips because he doesn't have his powers any longer. He can still be a guy who can be, you know, kind of have his little digs and quips, but you know, he has to go off and find himself. And uh, I always am curious what he did when he mentions, uh, he says, you don't know what I had to do to get my powers back, even for me. It was pretty bad. And so I love that conflict that Vex seems to have. I don't know if it's a conflict, but just those two different sides where, you know, he really has an affection for Kenzie and, you know, he could just, you know, kill her just like that if he wanted to. But still, you just see this different side of him when he's with Kenzie and Bo, and as opposed to, you know, the darker Vex that Kenzie requests, the old Vex come, you know, needs to come out to when she wants revenge on Massimo. You know, Vex seems to have a conflict of conscience when he's talking with Trick about his father, and Trick says something to the effect of, you're more of a good man than you know, and Vex is like, well, you're the only one who believes that. So, so yeah, I like seeing that Paul... Amos stretch with that role and really 
play both sides, and I want to see where it goes in season four, or excuse me, season five. Here you said that Vex did a 180. I kind of feel like Vex did a 540. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's kind of going back and yeah. forth. Yeah, I I mentioned when we talked about and we talked about Vex in our episode Vexed in our episode 61, the episode, not the character, that I don't really care for Vex in the first season because I feel like he's a really cardboard cutout kind of villainy type of guy, but I I really do like the development that we've seen from his character over the past few seasons, especially in season four, when we got to hear his backstory of his his race of fae, essentially, what happened to his kin, and how he had to align himself and become a, a servant of the dark, essentially, to survive. So I, I do really like how they've developed his character and tried to give more nuance to him and his background. As opposed to being quite so mustache twirly. Exactly. He was just so yeah, many, yeah. oh, of course he's the bad guy. He's, you know, he's got an accent. He's wearing black. He's got funny hair. You know, it's, it was just very, like, by the numbers in the beginning. But now he's got a lot more layers to him. Sweet, sweet nuance. Hi, this is Stephanie's friend, Elizabeth. And I want to tell you about my favorite good character turned bad or bad character turned good. And I'm going to cheat and give you one of each. I want to do this because I think the show cheats in that it gives us a nice group of characters that are not clearly defined as good or bad. We talked a little bit about this in the Dark Fate episode, and I hope we talk about it more because it's very intriguing to me. So as to my characters, uh, Vex is my favorite bad character turning good. You cannot see my air quotes on audio, but I promise they're all there around good and bad in this uh, Vex is fun. He's a good, moral, moving character in that his value system is changing. But at the same time, he's still behaving a lot of the same way that he did at the beginning. He's still casually murdering people, um, which I think is good for the character. I mean, not good in real life, but great for the character. Um, I also want to tell you that Trick is my favorite possible good character turned possibly bad if the show really is playing a long con with us and he is the big bad, the mastermind behind something really terrible, then I am completely sold. But I also just love it when Trick sort of slips and says something really evil and bad. Thanks a lot. Cheers. I think my favorite bad guy turned good is actually, it. it's a little bit more complicated than that, which is one of the reasons I enjoy it so much. And that would be Lachlan, who you've got, all of these terrible, patriarchal, Machiavellian, power-tripping, awful things about him. But in the end, he's also got this really long, complicated, long game. And the idea of, you know, like, the ends justify the means. And he's protective of specific people under his jurisdiction in the way that he should be, even though that means doing things in the wrong way. And it just, it gets very complicated. And he pushes all of my buttons. Like, whenever he's on screen, I just end up getting very generally infuriated. So I thought that that was really interesting with the character. Hi, this is Denise at MVGhost005. This is a response to Day 25, Favorite Bad Guy Turned Good or Good Guy Turned Bad. And for me, that is Lachlan for the reasons I articulated in Question 3, Day 3 of this 30-Day Mem. I thought Lachlan's personality and approach adjusted according to the situation that benefited 
him the most. So for me, this is not a matter of somebody who went to one side to the other, but rather balanced both sides as the situation presented itself. So for me, it is Lachlan. Hey guys, this is Sally. So day 25, favorite bad guy turned good guy or good guy turned bad guy. I had to think about this one a bit because I'm not sure that we've had a lot of people turning from good to bad or bad to good. Everyone's either stayed the same or continues to be morally ambiguous. But I guess I, I'd say Tamsin. She started out probably as um sort of a bad guy. Anyway, she had it in for Bo and she was, I'm a little unclear at first if she was an agent of the wanderer sent to get Bo. I think that's what the story was in season three. But then when she met her untimely Valkyrie demise at the end of season three and then returned in season four, she seems to have had a change of heart and now I think she's a good guy. So I like that. I find her very entertaining. Tamsin. Day 26, we are talking about something that happened that we wish hadn't happened. There are some questions that I like in this meme better than others. And the, the one for today and the one for tomorrow, I, I, these are two of my favorites. So who wants to start? Something that happened that you wish hadn't happened. Annie, I feel a rant coming on. <laughs> okay, I'll start and be ranty because she likes to hear me rant. Stephanie likes my rants. They're generally amusing. <laughs> Rub hands together. It's not see because if she I can takes make it amusing. seriously. It's because she thinks you're funny. <laughs> Apparently. I'm kidding. This was fairly easy for me. It was the whole Karen Beattie plot line. I don't even know if you could call it a plot line because it was just thrown out there with a few lines and you're all, eh? Or I was. Um, but besides me always mispronouncing the name, I felt... No, no, you pronounced it right. Oh, okay. And then Stephanie pronounced it wrong. Okay. <laughs> besides us, or whoever, always mispronouncing the name. Um, I think this part of Lauren's past just came from left field, and I thought it was completely unnecessary because it just kind of changes everything you know about the character, because now she's not even named Lauren. And now I feel like because this plot line is just thrown in there... It's like a millstone Lauren has to carry around her neck, or slash Karen, again, because it changes the perception of the audience that has of the character. And it's yet another thing she has to discuss with Bo, and yet another thing that got interrupted when she tried to discuss it with Bo. I think the thing that um, is uh, really missing here with this random plotline is that, you know, we know Lauren is incredibly smart, I refuse to call her Karen, actually, and, you know, has her ways of... I guess, disappearing into her other life all these years. But you'd think the authorities would be looking for her. I'm always waiting for something to happen, I mean, regardless of the storyline or not, where Lauren gets dragged back into the human world because the humans find out about the Fae or something like that. But you think with this Karen Beatty plotline, the authorities would be looking for her since she had a hand in a pipe bombing that, you know, took innocent fatalities. And, you know, of course she didn't mean it, but... um you know, no one's looking for her. So it's it's just crazy and something I really didn't, um, you know, like at all. At the end of season three, I would have agreed with you. But with what we get in season four, where she talks to Crystal, 
it actually made me like the plot line because quite frankly, I it, like the whole my girlfriend is sick and I need these these people's help. Like that it was an okay reason to stay with the Fae, but I feel like this made it make more sense why she'd be willing to make herself so subservient to this group of people for so long because she needed to disappear because she needed to be out of the the sights of the the public eye and i also i like that the fact that she thought she was doing something good and accidentally ended up hurting people it it, it actually like draws out the similarity she has with to Bo and to other characters so I didn't like it at first, but I've actually gotten to where I'm okay with it. Uh, I was actually going to say, too, that this does sort of carry on the same theme of the show that, you know, Karen did things wrong. So she basically became Lauren as a self-determination kind of thing. So, Well, yeah, but it, it was also necessity, too. Yes, but I mean, it is also an, an atoning for the past. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's this whole thing. And... Here's another thing as for why the authorities aren't looking for her well, still. I think they are. And the, uh, how, do, how do we know that they're not? Wait, wait. What I was going to say is that we know that the Fae have people placed at various points in, in government and such so that they can keep themselves hidden. So it's possible that she's also partly with the Fae because they can keep her hidden that way too. Yeah. But I don't know. I just... I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's something I'll ever be okay with. And now it's like, are we ever going to meet her brother? And is he still alive? Is he in jail? Yeah, I, I can see your reasoning, but I don't know. I just think sometimes the writers are like, hey, why don't we throw this in? I'm like, doesn't Lauren have enough? She should be 55 with all the things that she's done. She's lived a full she's life. She's lived Annie. a full life. And uh, so, although I do like the Karen Beatty Twitter, although she has not tweeted in a while. So she needs to tweet again because she's freaking hilarious. So. How about you, Chris? What is the thing that happened that you wish hadn't? Revenants. (laughs) (laughs) Because why does it always have to be zombies? It was kind of my thought, too. Yeah. That's it? Just the revenants? That's your, that's your, well, I guess it doesn't have to be like the biggest thing ever, but that's, that was what you went with was revenants. That is what I went with, revenants, yes. Well, I find it interesting that they showed up again in Dark Horse, because for some reason I kind of missed that line when Bo said, oh, what's going to come out of that portal? And Dyson's like, you know, shitload of revenants and three come out. And I'm all, that's not exactly a crap load. <laughs> well, until the end, but, you know. Well, they were going to keep coming, Annie, I think was what I, he I know, was saying. I know, I know. And it's <laughs> budget. And maybe they only had so many extras on set that day. And, you know, they had a lot of scenes, shots to get through. So that always makes me laugh. Me I'm too. All, it's only three. No, but, you know, because I knew Annie was going to have her extensive rant, and so, uh, yeah. You went with something you great. You don't have to shorten your answer because of me. It's called editing. So, yeah. I didn't. I'm using you as a as a an excuse, but Chris Annie. Is, work Chris with me. Like, okay. Chris knows what it is to edit, though, so she is trying to make it easier uh, for me. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Just tell me to shut up, then. <laughs> no, but we like the rant. <laughs> Stephanie doesn't when she edits, so, yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> If you're, we're talking about Tamsin and you go on a rant about Lauren, then yes, I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> Just to cite an example that yeah. totally happened. I know. <laughs> I know. So I also chose kind of a, a, a bigger plot point. And mine is I, I wish that the Norn and Dyson 
hadn't made the whole declaration about wolves mate for life. Because, first of all, that's not really accurate. While while wolves do tend to be monogamous, there's ample evidence that there are plenty of reasons why they might have multiple partners at the same time or across their lifetimes. So it's not really accurate. And then second of all, I think it really boxed Dyson in as a character. And basically for the past three seasons, he's just been kind of pining after Bo. With this idea, or he was either angry that he didn't love Bo anymore, and then he was pining after Bo. And I, I, I just, it feels like it didn't really give him much of a storyline to jump from once they decided that that was a thing. And so I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, that plot twist or that plot element that they decided to include. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it seemed like Dyson was sort of, Stuck in a rut yeah. for a while there. And, you know, for a while it made him kind of hard to like, you know? Yeah, he, w- he yeah. was pretty nasty in season two. In season two, yeah. yeah. Right. Gratuitousness turned into nastiness. Because I did like the part where Kiara came in and, you know, Dyson basically says that he intended to, you know, love her as much as he could, basically. Even though that was kind of sad. But it was still... It felt like progress. And then he backslid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I'm glad that they've finally sort of backtracked on this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sad that I always feel sad when, after Kiara, the whole thing, when he, when he, uh, says, what is the, uh, fae that tells the truth? That makes you tell the truth? The lewd one. The lewd one. Mm-hmm. And he says, I can't love Kiara. And I'm like, oh, Dyson. So. You know, after everything Kiara did for him, and then she ends up dying, and I really do like Kiara as a character, and I, I, re- I like that relationship, because she, again, took some of the brutuitousness out. Yes, that's totally a word. And she totally softened him, and I like that side of Dyson. I agree. But do you think now um, he's moved beyond that in the fourth season? Beyond, well, they do... Beyond they, what? They did have hints from Laveau. She makes that comment about how you know, wolves mate for life is just sort of something of his own making. It's in his, just in his mind. So it did seem like they were hinting that maybe they were trying to move past that plot yeah. element. But I think Dyson as a character has kind of been less broody and more. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, more, you know, still willing to fight with Bo and everything. Um, and again, I think also it has to do with you know, his relationship with Lauren is better, too. So it's not just me versus her or whatever. Right. It did feel like the end of season four, Dyson really, it felt like his attitude had changed about the whole thing. I, I agree. Hey, guys, it's Sally. So the question for day 26 is something that happened that you wish hadn't happened. So I'll preface this by saying I'm satisfied with this story that we're being shown and told on Lost Girl. And... This particular scene I'm going to mention, it's what happened in Vaxxed, Season 1, Episode 8. I always have wondered what might have happened differently if Lauren had just been honest with Bo instead of trying to distract her as the Ash suggested. And I wondered about that so much that I wrote a little fanfic about it. And I prefaced that fanfic by saying that I think it would have made for boring television. So, you know, I'm glad that the story happened the way that it did on TV because it certainly set up a lot of conflict. 
the one thing that I sort of regret is that I have read, I think, that a lot of fans who watch the show kind of, that made them think that Lauren wasn't to be trusted. And I think that she had her reasons, but it seems like that that kind of gave people the impression that she was untrustworthy and it's been very hard for her character to redeem herself in their eyes. So that's it. Hi, this is Dave. I'm Stephanie and Elizabeth's friend, and I was calling to leave a message about the thing that happened on Lost Girl that I wish hadn't. Uh, and the main thing I would say in that regard is that Rainer turned out to be the Wanderer. I thought that the setup for the Wanderer in Season 3 was pretty excellent, like the sequences uh, where they used the song, and you saw how Tamsin was terrified of this character and the fact that he might show up. Uh, was really uh, effectively done in that it created this this spooky and ominous ambiance for this character. Uh, and then it turns out just to be this kind of sexy, beardy, non-event of a character. Um, and even though Rainer had some cool moments, uh, like when he uh, helped Bo kill the Unamens and take out the Canadian Tilda Swinton, he just wasn't that interesting of a payoff for all the excellent build-up they'd had in Season 3. Uh, and then they also kind of uh, did some retcon on us, separating out uh, the Wanderer from Bo's father, even though they made it pretty clear in Season 3 that was supposed to be the same character. So if there was something about Lost Girl that I'd like them to go back and fix, uh, it would be kind of botching the payoff of that Wanderer character. Hi, this is Denise at Ghost 5 This is for Day 26 something that happened that I wish hadn't happened on the series, and that is the Hale and Kinsey hookup. I know I'm in the minority opinion here, but I like them 555 times better as friends. I never understood why the show decided to hook them up as lovers. They were fantastic as compadres, and their chemistry demonstrated that, but there was no need, in my view, to hook them up as lovers. So something that happened that I wish had not happened on the series, and that was the Hale and Kinsey hookup. Day 27, the question is, what is something that didn't happen but should have? And let's start with Chris on this one. What's what's something that should have <laughs> happened, Chris? Hmm. You're starting with me because everybody knows that this is maybe what I'm going to say. A resolution for Crystal's storyline. Because, again, anybody who listened to our fourth season episodes knows that you and I were just waiting for them to bring Crystal back to at least close out her storyline, and they never did. Last we saw her, she was sitting in a dark, dingy, whatever that was, <laughs> holding cell. The saw room. With a... Yeah, kinda. So, Yeah. Until they tell me otherwise, she is living comfortably with Lauren in Lauren's <laughs> fancy new apartment. I will not be convinced otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I, I even if they couldn't have brought Ali Liebert back for another episode, they just never even mention her again. You know, even if Lauren had just brought her up at some point, saying, you know, oh, I hope Crystal's doing okay wherever, or talked about the the fact that. She kind of had a little fling there for a minute, but it was. Or I have to go home to Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> and I, in Chris's ideal world, that would have been the reference, but <laughs> but there was just nothing. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you. That's something something that didn't happen, but I wish had. I am kidding, but uh, sort of. 
Only sort of, yeah. I mean... I wouldn't hate it if that was, you know, yeah. the truth. Well, you know, Lauren, she's, yeah, she could say a lot, you know, just a line of information. Like, I hope Crystal's doing okay down in Mexico with her bird sanctuary or something like that. So, <laughs> you know. How random, Annie. Crystal has a bird sanctuary. I like it. Not even with her horse, Duke. Oh, I'm sorry. On her ranch with her horse, Duke. With her little picket house with a picket white fence. So, yeah. And a bird sanctuary. And a bird sanctuary. (laughs) I don't hate it. (laughs) Well, I got it down to two options for this question, but the one that I decided to talk about was something that I thought should have happened but didn't happen at the beginning of season three, which was I think that Bo and or Lauren should have pressured Hale to free Lauren when he was acting Ash. Because this was Lauren's sort of big storyline in season two was her getting fed up with the Fae and she almost leaves in Lachlan's Gambit. And then she sticks around because you know, she she cares for Bo. So while I think it's completely appropriate that she wanted to stick around for Bo, it felt like there was just this lack of follow through on the fact that like I think Bo was really upset and kind of mad at herself even for helping Lachlan get Lauren to like recommit herself to to the light thing. She was. So I mean, I get that the writers wouldn't have wanted to free her because that's a lot of juice to her storyline. But I think they could have easily written around that with some line about, well, that's not really I'm not able to do that because I'm just acting Ash when I'm actual Ash. Yeah, let's talk. But yeah, that was just a big missing element for from in the beginning of season three for me. Yeah, I agree with you, because they, they did make a big issue of it throughout season two, as you were just saying, because I, I recently rewatched season two, and it is a huge element to that. And it ends with Dyson sort of suggesting that she run while she can. Right. And of course, we know she's not going to, because, again, committed to Bo, but it is weird. And I think we were all sort of expecting that conversation to happen. And it just kind of didn't, you know, it, there, there was that exchange that she and Hale had towards the end of the season. But I think we were all kind of surprised it even took that long for the subject to even remotely come yeah. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think if they had mentioned it in the beginning of the season where they came to Hale and was like, Hey, can we can we deal with the situation with Lauren? And he said, Well, my hands are tied right now. But when I'm acting Ash, I think it would have made that moment later on where he tells Lauren, you know, stay put, you're under my protection, I think it would have even given it more weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Annie? What did you, what is something that didn't happen, but you wish had? Well, you made me pick one thing on this again. Yes. So, um, <laughs> as is so my way. So you went way. with the cheat? <laughs> <laughs> so you went with a time when somebody didn't take off their clothes, but should Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> everybody stripped. Everybody stripped now. Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So what did you go with, Annie? <sighs> Every Lauren Bosey. Annie would like to change her answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I vetoed my past answer. I want to change it. Uh, again, it's more conversations that I wish had taken place on screen instead of just skip, you know, we're at the next episode. and Oh, wait a minute. We're talking about this and it's already been resolved. And I wish Kenzie and Bo had talked, uh, you know, about Dyson getting his love back. Because we see Bo in... You know, when she's going through the test, to, when she's in um, 
in Brazenwood. We see Bo when she's in Brazenwood, and she's like, oh, and Dyson got his love back, and we're like, when did that discussion happen? Because the last we see of Bo and Kenzie, she wants to know why Kenzie went to the Norn, because Kenzie doesn't want to discuss what happened with, um, with Inari. So Bo's like, okay, why don't we talk about this? And it's like, dun-dun-dun, dramatic music, and the episode ends. And I'm like, what? So, uh, because it was a really important thing, you know, because so much of season two, you know, Dyson didn't have his love, and Kenzie made this huge sacrifice, which led to the whole thing with Inari. Again, fan fiction has to fill it in, because it happens off screen. And then Bo just kind of offhandedly mentions it when it's in Brazenwood. So it's kind of weird to have what was such a big pl- uh, plot point in season two just kind of forgotten or not discussed on screen. And I know they don't want to have completely long conversations where they process everything, although I kind of prefer those. <laughs> and they want to have more action. But still, I would have liked to have seen that. I'm okay with that happening off screen. How about you, Chris? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I felt like there had been enough sort of around that that it wasn't i don't know i don't know i have mixed feelings i guess i'm okay with it because the most important thing is to convey information to the audience and we knew what kenzie was going to tell her the important mm-hmm. thing was about how Bo reacted and right. we see that that's in, a good point in episode eight so i'm okay with the actual conversation not taking place on screen but i can understand people wanting to see that right i think that is one of those things where the audience always sort of anticipates these exchanges happening. So the fact that we get the lead up to it, but not the actual talk, I think sometimes is frustrating Yeah, as the audience. Again, if the episode had not ended exactly at that point, I would have been more okay with it. You know, I was gonna, I was actually just about to say it might've been better if instead of putting it at the end of the episode, it had been like this, you know, why did you go to the Norn? And then smash cut to like Bo angrily, beating on something and being annoyed that Dyson didn't tell her. Like, if yeah, they had put it, yeah. her reaction immediately afterward, that might have been more satisfying, I think, for, for people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they put more sex scenes on, that would be great, too. <laughs> Smash cut to angry sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Document Everybody's sex scenes. Not, we're not talking Kenzie and Bo, so. Hi, this is Kate, Image Feeder on Twitter, and I'm answering the question on day 27 Something that didn't happen but should have. I think anybody following me on Twitter will not be surprised that this is my comment, but I think that there should have been some kind of dialogue from Bo to any of the major characters, uh, Kenzie, Dyson, or Lauren, explaining exactly why her relationship to Rainer was a sexual, romantic relationship. I think we understood the fact that they had a common purpose together, But I think the fact that it manifested in that sexual way was kind of mysterious and never fully explained. And I don't think that it would be the fan's job to fill that in. I think that that has to come from the story. It's possible that it will be explained further next season, and and I hope so. But I do think it, it left a sort of lingering feeling this season of, you know, confusion, at least for me. So I do wish there had been some kind of dialogue. I'm not saying I I don't think the relationship should have happened, but I want to understand it. And right now I don't understand it. Hi, this is Denise at NVGhost005. And this is for day 27. 
something that didn't happen but should have. And for me, that is Ryan Lambert and Bo should have stayed together. And this is largely for the reasons I articulated in Day 10, Question 10 of this 30-day mem. Uh, I felt that Bo and Ryan were fantastic together as kindred spirits, and I was truly saddened to see that they had broken up. So for me, something that didn't happen but should have, and that is Ryan and Bo should have stayed together. So day 28, we are talking about favorite family members. And this one was one of the harder ones for me to answer. So, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll go first. I, I got it down to a couple, but I decided to go with Val, who is Hale's sister, because I really wanted Val to come back in season three, and I was super disappointed when she didn't. And I'd still love to see Val. I think she'd be a great addition as like either a recurring character or even another cast member. I think she could be a really great addition to the group. So how about how about you guys? Who did who did you decide as your favorite family member? Uh, I agreed. Same as Val. you. Yeah, I think even if Hale's gone, I'd love for that character to show up again. Um, I was I was like, where is she at Hale's funeral or his parents? Um, I know it's a question of actor availability, but yeah, I'd love to see Erica Luttrell come back. Uh, she's a great ally, you know. So I'd love to see her come join the fight again. Right. Well, she joined the team to help save the world at the end of season two. But then she disappeared. Right. And they've even had a couple of really ideal times to bring her back, and they haven't. And it makes me sad. Yeah. So so did you go with Val, too, Chris? Uh, of course. As your, as your favorite family member? Okay. Yeah, she's just, I think probably because it felt like, like you said, they brought her on the team to save the world, and then she was just gone. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious if they had maybe intended to bring her back in season three, but then the actress wasn't available or, or something happened. But I think she could have been a really interesting addition in season three, especially since she was so anti-human. It would have been maybe really interesting to have a prominent character on the show kind of being anti-human and maybe exploring that dynamic some more. Well, and the thing is, they even seem to sort of counteract what they'd said in season two in season four where they kept referring to Hale as the heir of clan Zamora because in season two Hale says I think it's season two maybe it's season one where Hale refers to himself as it's the heir two. of clan Zamora and Trick says well no because there's your sister Val and then there's your cousin whoever right yeah but it was implied that Hale had a really large family right well I think they did they specifically named two people. They did. Including Val. And then in season four, Hale's always talked about himself as heir of Clan Zamora, and like nobody argues with him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then even Lauren refers to it when she said, yeah, the last of the clan, or the last of... The heir of Zamora is gone, or, yeah. Yeah. Or his last gift. And I'm like, but there's still a lot of Zamorans around. Why can't they... You know, pluck out more. Unless twigs. something horrible happened, like in the end of season three or something that we never heard mm -hmm. about. But, but you have to tell us these things, show because yeah. <laughs> we remember Val. We like Val. Well, I agree yeah. with Stephanie where she mentioned earlier. I like all the political stuff and the clans, and we haven't heard about the clans in a while. So, yeah. yeah. I almost also mentioned Aoife again here as a favorite family member, but since I talked about her previously on on my favorite 
big bad day. I decided to talk about Val instead. But I do really love Aoife. I would love to see more of Isabeau as well. And then I really enjoyed Kenzie's family members. Well, her mother. She can she can stay away. Yeah, but I did I really like I did mom. really enjoy her aunt and her cousin Dimitri. I do like her aunt. Yeah. Who greeted her with a hug and then, come here, Kenzie friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bo's all like, oh, yeah, this is awful. <laughs> Number 28, favorite family members. I liked meeting Bo's adoptive mom in There's Bo Place Like Home because I think the show did something interesting with the idea that in oppressive communities, a lot of people who are oppressed also end up turning into an oppressor. So her mom had been in this community that was very backwards towards the idea of women and women and sex and women and equality and women should be housewives, et cetera, et cetera. And she had obviously turned some of that towards Bo. But in the end, she also got a, a slight redemptive arc. It was, it's obviously a short story because the episode is concentrating more on Bo. But I think that even though it could have maybe benefited from having met her over the stretch of a couple of episodes. I thought that the actress carried it well. I thought the ideas that were there were solid. And I thought that was a really nice, interesting thing to get in there, though, even though Bo had dreaded this for so long and Bo had so much animosity and there was obviously a lot of hurt in both of their backgrounds that they were able to to kind of come to, to some sort of peace and resolution. Hi, this is Denise from NVGhost005, and this is in response to Day 28, Favorite Family Members. I would have to select Mary Dennis for this specific question, simply because I enjoyed watching the interaction between Bo and Mary in There's Bo Place Like Home, and I would like to see a revisitation of that relationship at a later date to see where Mary Dennis is in regards to her health and how Bo would approach a new relationship with her mother if she were to approach a new relationship with her mother. So therefore, day 28 would be Mary Dennis. Day 29, we are talking about our favorite friendship and... I feel like probably all of us have the same favorite friendship. So I think we could probably just all say it at once. I will count off. One, two, three. Bo, Bo and Kenzie. Yeah. Because, yeah. Is there any other answer? That's enough said. Yeah. Right. Bo and Kenzie. Kenzie is Bo's heart. They are the heart of the show. And yeah, they're just like their their relationship, their friendship is the core of the show. And I just always I love I love it in all of its forms that it occurs. Ditto. And of course, you know that because that's really how the first episode ends, like with the solidification of their friendship. So if you're if you're into film and television uh, structure, narrative structure, that's a big clue that that's like the most important thing in the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it had ended with her getting down with somebody, I'm not going to name a name, but, you know, just somebody, then that'd be a hint that that was going to be a big part of the show. But no, it ends with she and Kenzie walking off together. Yeah, and that's a trope that is some, you know, I think used a bit in television shows like Xena, 
And yeah, it's just, and that's how the show begins too. Bo saving Kenzie. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And that's all you need to say about it. Well, not all. I just, um, <sighs> yeah, I love it. I love it so. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah, which is which is why it was so hard to see them go through such a rough patch in season four. But and and I know Kenzie's gone, but she's going to be back in season five. I know mm-hmm. she is, and hopefully we will get back to that core of the show in season five as Bo and Kenzie's friendship. Yeah, and seeing I'm, that like restored. I'm hoping Kenzie's not too traumatized, or they have this big adjustment period where they have to deal with Kenzie coming back. I don't know. I hope not, because they've been through enough. I feel like the falling out, though, is also sort of a natural progression for a series that's run several years, you know what I mean? Right. Because that is sort of what they always do at some point is like, okay, here's the the main thing of the show. We'll have to we'll have to flip it for a little while so that we can come back to it. (laughs) Because, of course, that's I mean, you know, it's a drama, you know, you have to create that extra tension. So that's sort of the go to. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm disrupt the major foundation of your show. So At least it's not as dramatic as Xena, where Xena tells Gabrielle to kill her child, which she does, and then Xena gets really mad at her because her child kills her child, and then Xena drags her behind a horse and tries to kill Gabrielle. So that has not happened yet. Oh, my. Girl. Yeah. Very dramatic moment. But then they all resolved it in song, a la Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting for the musical Lost Girl episode, by the way. <laughs> That I'm would be not. awesome. But uh, <laughs> the differing reactions. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of Buffy, though, the, you know, without spoilers here, the end of season six, same kind of deal, yeah. right? Oh, sorry, Xena spoilers. Sorry. No, nobody comes close to Bo and Kenzie, but there are other friendships on the show that I really, really love. I, I really loved the friendship between Kenzie and Tamsin that we saw develop in season four. Can we just say the friendships between Kenzie and everybody? Mm-hmm. Because I was going to cite Kenzie and Dyson. Yeah, uh-huh. Kenzie so. and Dyson. Kenzie plus anybody is gold. Because I really love Kenzie plus Hale mm-hmm. back when they were like sidekick buddies. That was a great friendship. It was so sweet. Mm-hmm. I love them being friends. Yeah. And, yeah. I want more Kenzie Lauren friendship. Like funny Me too. stuff. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And and I really like the friendship that we're seeing emerge between Lauren and Dyson. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good good friendships on the show. We love them. I was going to say, just all the characters. I love that everybody's I love that everybody's friends. It makes me happy. <laughs> and then Kenzie dies. And then makes us sad. <laughs> so drama, drama. Why did you have Why to did go you go sorry, there, Annie? Annie. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Annie. It's not me, it's the show. Damn it, Joe. <laughs> Shout out to Eddie Tatiana as everyone listeners. <laughs> Hey, this is Jessalyn and my answer for day 29 favorite friendship. I'm going to go with the obvious pick of Bo and Kenzie. There's no question that a huge amount of the show's success comes down to how well that friendship plays on screen. Speaking of friendship, can Lauren please get a friend next season? That would be awesome. Thanks. Hi, this is uh, Denise at MVGhost005, and this is in response to Day 29, Favorite Friendship. And I must say the favorite friendship that I have on the show for me is Bo Tamsin. I may be in the minority here when I say that I'm not in favor of a Bo Tamsin relationship, but I absolutely enjoy them as friends on the show. I think that started for me with Kinsey Scale, 
that continued on with uh, Faye Against the Machine and Those Who Wander, and then it continued on in Groundhog Faye. I think they complement each other well as compadres in terms of their personalities, and I think that is the better suit and the better fit, and therefore Bo Tamsin works for me as the favorite friendship. Day 30, we're talking about our favorite season finale. Let's start with Andy, I guess. What did, what did you pick as your favorite season finale? For me, it was a close one in between a couple seasons, but I chose the end of season two, Flesh and Blood, uh, because I love everybody coming together to fight the Garuda. It was a whole really big buildup with the Garuda as the big bad. And then everybody comes together, and I love the whole sequence where everybody goes their separate ways, fighting in the asylum, and just how that whole sequence was shot, and the Garuda's defeat, and how they all needed Bo's blood to do it, and a sense of real teamwork, and the mystery of seeing, you know, Super Bo's big blue eyes at the very end, and that last shot in the mirror. I just love, love, love it still. That's one of my favorite episodes. How about you, Chris? Which which episode did you go with? Also Flesh and Blood. Okay, me too. Okay, so all three of us, yeah. Flesh and Blood. Right. Because I like that everybody has a role to play in averting the apocalypse. That's always nice. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that the key to saving the world is that we have to work together and not fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Aggression will be our downfall. So I like it. Exactly. I know there are some people who didn't particularly like the Garuda storyline. They thought that it was a bit of a dud. But I actually really like the finale. And it's not because, you know, the fight scenes are fantastic or the Garuda was a particularly you know, fantastic big bad or something like that. He was fine, but I really like it because we see the team come together, which of course means then in subsequent seasons, we have to watch them fall apart. But (laughs) (laughs) Makes me so sad. (laughs) Darn conventions of storytelling. I know, but I did. I, I really liked how they all had to come together and work together in order to defeat the Garuda. And I, I liked that we got to see kind of different characters interacting with each other like vex and lauren we hadn't really seen before Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now she's having to care for him with a broken arm and being whiny (laughs) (laughs) well i always find it amusing when she asks how are you doing and i'm like uh i know there's a lot of stuff going on lauren but why don't you treat him for she like asks him that like two or three times and he's like oh i'm just peachy he's like what else am i supposed to say (laughs) yeah you know it's kind of a class there's a lot of like really good fantasy tropes i feel like in this episode where you know we we think we think one of our main characters is dead but the main but the you know the lead sacrifices something to bring that character back and kind of you know maybe jeopardizes herself Mm -hmm. and i agree that that like last shot of Bo with her eyes turning blue was was i thought an excellent place to leave the series and keep us like wondering what was going to happen between seasons two and three. Yeah, because the fight with yeah. the Garuda was wrapped up, but then now you have all these, you know... To me, it was intriguing, you know, little plot lines. What's going on with Kenzie's, Kenzie's arm? Will Lauren leave or stay? But the triangle, of course, is still hinted at. And, you know, what's going on with Bo? So I found those more intriguing plot lines as opposed to season three, where it was more like, what the heck is going on? More annoying plot line threads. <laughs> Well, because the thing about the end of season two versus the end of season three is that at the end of season two, everybody's safe, mm-hmm. right. but they're at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of season three, like nobody's, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. <laughs> right. 
everybody's scattered to the winds and yeah, is pretty much in danger in some and way. Annie and, is very sad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Annie is very sad. <laughs> or was at the time. Well, and I'm still sad at the end of season four, so but feel a little better about that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in general, where the characters kind of are at the end of season four. <laughs> Not about me being sad. Hi, this is Denise at MV Ghost 5 This is a response to Day 30, favorite season finale, and I must say for me, it is the episode, Those Who Wander. I enjoyed this episode for two reasons. One, for its frenetic pace, and then two, it resolved a lot of the storylines from the last two seasons and its very last scene where Bo is taken up by the dark black smoke really made me excited for season four. And for me, I enjoyed season four, and I was not disappointed uh, by that at all. So for me, season three, Those Who Wander, is my day 30 season finale favorite. Hey guys, it's Sally. Day 30, congratulations on making it to the end. So favorite season finale, I have to go with the season finale for season two. The whole finale just feels kind of like a fairy tale. There's, you know, the epic journey of the gang to go confront the big bad. There are lots of fights, um, People get hurt and they're in grave danger. There's the epic kiss between Bo and Lauren. Um, it just, uh, it hit most of all the right notes for me and it felt very finale ish and not to overuse the word epic, but it also felt pretty epic. And, you know, there's the other finales have all been good, of course, but they've also caused a lot of consternation. And I think that, um, you know, the season two finale really just was very exciting and moving. So maybe I'll change my answer after we see the season five finale. But for now, that's it. And okay, yes, it's day 31, even though this is a 30 days of Lost Girl meme. And we're doing a day 31. It was actually Annie's idea because <laughs> you're missing a day. <laughs> We chose to do the 30 days meme in August, which, if you don't know, has 31 days. And so Annie had this suggestion that we would add a day 31 question that would be kind of unique to us as our podcast. So today we are talking about our favorite Drinks at the Doll episode that we have made. Narcissism. I know. I know. Well, I didn't see it, it that was way. Annie's idea. Blame her. I know. I'm, I'm making a joke. I'm making a joke. I think it's kind of nice that we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. So we actually, spoiler, we we like we we, co we conferred on our answers beforehand, and we actually all chose the same episode. So I think that's kind of weird slash sweet <laughs> because we're just weirdos that happen to have the same, you know, we think the same way. But the the episode that we all chose is our episode nine in which we talked about lost girl couple names. And I guess I'll, the reason I chose it is I just remember having so much fun recording that episode. And it, 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 I think we I think we just recorded really late. I don't remember, I don't remember. but we were all really tired, mm -hmm. I think. 
What the it was, Chris- we finished around midnight, I want to say. Yeah. Or maybe it was around midnight by the time we were recording it. I don't remember. But yeah, I think we no, finished it, a big but it was chunk late. of something else. Yeah. But we recorded the bow episode oh, before Oh, that's that. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were just kind of like really punchy and ridiculous by the time we got to to recording this one. And it was just like we got really silly really quickly. And it was just a and whole lot of fun. And you and I had been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> which didn't help. I was not drinking. That did, however, prompt my partner to suggest that I call that that episode Drinks at the Doll Last Call. <laughs> 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 which I did not do, but... That's a good joke. <laughs> it is. Not drunks at the doll? Well, th- I would get that one, too, from from Sabrina, yeah. who's a listener. <laughs> it's like, oh, drunks at right. the doll are back like, really? Really? <laughs> we're not drunk. We're just ridiculous. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. The thing we were drinking that night, I found, makes me loopy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because it's, well, it's got coffee and, like, massive right. amounts of alcohol in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not massive amounts, but, like, comparatively, it's it's got, like, three different kinds of alcohol in it. And coffee, and somehow the combination of alcohol and the coffee makes me kind of crazy. <laughs> I found. Well, that's good to know. I, that's good. I to was know. just having a good time. So, <laughs> and that too. Not that I wasn't, but if I seemed extra goofy that episode, that's why. <laughs> Chris and I are often drinking on the show, and we don't like drink a ton usually. No, sure. I, no, I got I got kind of drunk in one episode. I admit, but I know. <laughs> but usually we just have like a drink. Annie very rarely drinks, so On the show. she's definitely not a drunk at the do- at the doll. <laughs> no, I've gotten drunk. I got drunk when I watched the end of season four, right before I was. I still wish really I could have drunk, seen that. So, but yeah. Um, so unfortunately, my drunkenness just doesn't apply when I'm recording. But uh, yeah, I love episode nine because that was the first time where we just you know we laughed until I like cried and then. I was, oh, me too. It, it's something that I listen to it every once in a while, and I'm like, I love this one, because this is where I was like, you know what? I really love these girls. I can definitely get along with them. And as long as we keep doing this, it's all good. So, And we've had a couple episodes like that, several moments like that, when podcasting. Um, yeah, d- didn't you have a, like, a runner-up, Chris? I did, but, but before I get to that, I believe that night that we recorded, episode seven and nine, that was the first time you and I had actually like talked oh really oh okay wasn't it i don't know yeah i think so okay i'm pretty sure it was i mean we we met briefly at comic palooza last which year, i don't remember but... yeah so I'm, i might have been drunk who knows or dehydrated one of the one of the <laughs> one of them no, no, I, I mean i think it wasn't more than stephanie saying oh annie this is chris yeah <laughs> i think that was pretty much it yeah. but yeah and i'm as in a anyway. zoe palmer haze so i don't remember crap so <laughs> that i believe your name is not Zoe. I don't really care. I don't <laughs> register you. <laughs> yeah, and and I like I, Chris is in the first two episodes of the podcast because Annie and I just weren't able to like connect to record the the first two episodes by because I wanted to release it by like a certain date, and so I was like, "Uh, oh, Chris, could you help me out?" Because because Annie was kind of busy, and so I like roped Chris into doing the first two episodes with me, and I think she was pretty scared. <laughs> I was, I was terrified, but I got this message that was like. You know, I, I'm getting a little antsy about this, and I can't, you know, I can't get anything worked out with Annie just yet. And uh, would you be willing to do this? And I'm like, I guess so. And she's like, Great, I'll be there in twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was like it was like eleven hours, but anyway, <laughs> I was like, Oh no! 
So I forced her to do it. And then she talked my ear off about Bo. I was like, you should come back and you should talk about Bo. And we recorded this episode. And I was just like, it was so much fun. I was like, Chris should be a host. Yeah. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to ask her yet. But I'm like, Chris should join us. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. Talk and about your runner up, Chris. My runner-up, and I was surprised you guys didn't choose this one. I'm actually kind of touched that you went with episode nine, so thank you. <laughs> but my runner-up episode was episode 30, which, of course, is our interview with Emily Andrus. <laughs> right. <laughs> who also made me laugh until I cried yeah, yes. for basically an hour. Yeah. That's that's probably my second favorite, too, because she's just so funny. She was so much fun to talk to. Plus, that's another one of those things, like, where else... like. It was just the entire time it was blowing my mind that it was happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like still, I'm like, that was so weird. Like, how did that even happen? Yeah. Oh. It's like, I got to talk to the showrunner of one of my favorite TV shows. That's awesome. And then she made me laugh for an hour. I know. <laughs> and there's, there's stuff that we didn't, you know, put in the final edit that I kind of remember. And I was just like, what? And I just remember all of us being terrified when she showed up. We're all, oh my God. Which is funny because Stephanie denies it denies that she was nervous but when emily first appeared the first thing that anybody said was <laughs> stephanie very quietly going oh my god <laughs> which emily heard yeah. and then teased her about <laughs> I, I i i wasn't i wasn't really that nervous because i kind of i mostly thought it wouldn't actually happen i was like there's no way <laughs> but i did say oh my god <laughs> and then she's like what did you think you were getting punked <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> maybe. Not purposefully, but I thought maybe you'd cancel. <laughs> I think that was kind of what you said when 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 Emily said that. I believe Stephanie's response was kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that's that is that'd probably be my run, runner up too. Yeah. But you know, and and usually I say at the end here, like, tell us your favorite you don't have to tell us our your favorite drinks <laughs> of the doll episode. That just is incredibly narcissistic. But I was gonna say narcissist. I, I, I'm like, well, I just thought it'd be a good idea. Well, we haven't we're missing a day. My O C D says we have to do one more. No, I'm glad you did, because this again, it's sort of we're having like weird nostalgia right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the weird. Listeners, you don't have to tell us what your favorite Drinks of the Doll episode is, but we just wanted to let y'all know that we have a lot of fun doing these podcasts, and we really have enjoyed, not just Emily Andrews, we've had so many great people who've been on the show as guest contributors, and we just have so much fun interacting with y'all, as well as interacting with each other. So, you know, thanks for listening, thanks for making it fun, and yeah, I hope you have enjoyed this this 30-day meme I think it's gone mostly pretty well, in which case we might do it again at some point, not anytime soon, because it's kind of a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Stephanie. I know, everybody, Stephanie knows. Everybody say thank you to Stephanie for this. Thank you, cause... Stephanie. <laughs> what well, was her idea, I believe? And we're like, are you sure? It was. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They were like, are you sure? I was like, yes, I think I can do this. And I did. But it was a lot of work. Yeah. So. And thank you to everybody who sent us voice messages to include in these episodes. We really appreciated having your feedback, especially on days where like two of us had the same answer or something. It was really nice to get somebody else's voice in there with a different perspective. I know. I find it amusing that in the last four days, we've all had the same answer. As we gradually turned into the same person over the course of the 30 <laughs> days. Wow. <laughs> Everybody strip. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody strip. I just did. No, I didn't. Uh. Um, 
<laughs> Where are your pants? <laughs> Pantslessness. Like, like you th- think I had them on previously? Come on, Chris. <laughs> Yes, thank you again for participating in the 30 Days meme. I hope you enjoyed it. I will never say the word meme again for a very long time, Annie. Please I don't. I hate that word. I just hate the way it's pronounced. <laughs> never again for a long I time. I always thought it was said meme. <laughs> no, why can't you just say it's a quiz? Anyway. Well, it's not a quiz. You're, not- <laughs> You're answering questions. How else am I supposed to put it? Anyway. This is what happens but after 31 days. Quiz. I don't know. A test, a quiz, a, a form well, but to a fill quiz, out. You get a result. You know, even if it's a stupid result, like I'm an, I'm an autumn, it's, you, you get like a result at the end of the quiz. This, the results of this quiz, I guess, is you are a Lost Girl fan if you answered all of these questions. So there you go. There you go. I, I love you guys, but wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to this. <laughs> We would love it if you shared your answers to these questions. Go to drinksofthedoll.com slash 65 and tell us some of your favorites in the comments. You can send us feedback on this content or suggest content for future episodes by emailing us at feedback at drinksofthedoll.com or sending us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of the website. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks of the Doll. My name is Stephanie. My name is Annie. And my name is Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.